for these and all the unspoken names of the animals we have loved, and also an appreciation for the animals who share our lives now. We give thanks. As a number of you know, I have a dear old cat, Dakota, who in the summer of 2008, at the age of 12, was forced into early retirement. For many years, he was a hunter and a fighter by profession. Dakota is a warrior, said one of the techs at the vet's office as they treated one of his numerous battle wounds. Even that surgery that he had early in life before he was ever let outside, the one that was supposed to calm them down and make them better pets and make them stay close to home, served only to keep him coming back home after his battles to heat and air conditioning, the occasional cuddle and scratch behind the ears, and a steady food supply to supplement the spoils of the hunt, the remains of which constantly graced the front doorstep. One Christmas morning, there was a squirrel complete, you know, that they weren't usually complete, so we thought that was wonderful that it was Christmas. Kind of sad for the squirrel. Dakota's life changed drastically that summer when he was diagnosed with feline immunodeficiency virus. He was very sick at the time, and our wonderful vet, Dr. Bradley, counseled us to consider seriously the idea of putting him down. After all, he was so sick, and his life was going to change so dramatically, even if he could recover from this episode. Ethically, we could no longer let him go outside and run the risk of infecting other cats. And even inside the house, we had another cat to consider. Delia's cat, the grand cat, Sassy, who was going to be staying with us for a while. That very week, I was about to leave town for a week for work, and none of us wanted to make that big decision right then. So we conferred as a family and decided to bring Dakota home, take the best care of him we could, and try and give him as nice a life as he could have as an inside cat. We read up on the disease, finding it spread more by bite wounds than by daily contact, such as sharing food bowls and litter boxes. We knew it was a calculated risk for Sassy, because from time to time they do play, chase each other, and tussle. But we hadn't seen them draw blood. So we also decided against the added difficulty of keeping them separated. Our house is not that big, and keeping Dakota inside was going to be enough of a challenge. Amazingly, it has worked out far better than we thought. Using a time-honored training technique for humans and animals alike, we began offering something more attractive, or at least as attractive, as the beckoning outside world. For a while, when he first started to feel better and would head for the door, we'd call Dakota to the kitchen by opening a can of tuna, giving him a positive focus in his new life. He is now a full-fledged tuna-holic, He is put on weight and is sleek and muscular. Where he was losing fur in spots, it is all grown back, thick and shiny. He loves a good cuddle. He even plays with toys, which he hadn't done since kittenhood, figuring what was the good of playing with something if you couldn't rip out and eat its still beating heart. For the most part, he no longer heads for the door when he hears it open, but simply watches us come and go with only mild curiosity. Oh, you're back. Where have you been? Where's the tuna? At least this is true most of the time. However, as we've passed the first spring and the second summer of his confinement, some of his old restlessness has returned. He has undoubtedly heard and smelled the boundless bird buffet that awaits outside, not to mention his old nemesis, Jack, the big gray cat, who still comes by to window fight with Sassy. Dakota so far will not lower himself to window fighting, finding the use of the force field somewhat dishonorable. 
He will sit with me a while every morning and evening, sleeping and purring contentedly, but there is also occasionally that time in the day when just once he goes to the door and lets out a long, mournful cry that says unmistakably, you think I don't remember, but I do, I remember. And it is from that place in his new life as a retired gentleman, trying most of the time to accept that as gracefully as possible, but finding it sometimes more painful than ordinary meows can express, that he has taken up the ancient Japanese art of haiku and has written the following. I stare plaintively, even knowing my desires. She is slow. Tuna. Holy fish in can, surpassing chicken, even steak. And yet she says, wait. Tuna, scratch couch, nap. Litter box, tuna, scratch couch. Nap, tuna, scratch couch. Couch torn, I did it. Somehow this matters to you. Sassy, she did it. Heartbroken, life changed, warm pavement, cool grass, all gone. Your couch is ripped? Aw. <laughs> World smaller now. Where's Sassy so I can chase her? Life's simple pleasures. As with many great writers whose lives and art have been shaped by traumatic change, Dakota has found his voice in the throes of adversity and his muse in a can. Although most days he continues to accept his newfound confinement with a certain measure of dignity and grace and a larger measure of tuna, he has never lost the awareness that the more compliant he is in the long run, the more likely he is to find occasional opportunities to exploit our momentary weaknesses and bolt out the door to freedom. Such was the case this past summer when he escaped, managed to climb a tree in our neighbor's yard, and hissed and spit at any one of us who tried to approach him like some feline Jimmy Cagney at the end of White Heat. Top of the world, Ma! My son Charlie finally retrieved him with the aid of a giant beach towel and two oven mitts. For days afterward, we increased our vigilance at the door, and Dakota seemed to calm down remarkably well. And then early one morning, Steve went out for the paper, and Dakota, sensing an opportunity, waited right by the door. Sure enough, when Steve opened the door to come back in, Dakota sprinted out the door and underneath Charlie's car. Knowing better from previous experience than to approach him directly, Steve and I waited quietly beside the car, pondering our alternatives. In the midst of this pondering, we looked up to see Jack, the huge gray tabby from across the street, slowly ambling our way. We knew that Jack and Dakota were once sworn enemies, though they hadn't really seen each other in over a year. But we worried about what might happen for both their sakes. Still under the car, Dakota grew to twice his size, as cats can do, and his tail grew to about three times its size. He stared straight at the calmly approaching Jack, who then suddenly saw him as he came within about six feet of the car. Jack stopped right in his tracks, visibly startled. Surprisingly, he did not fluff out as enormously as Dakota. Only his eyes grew to twice their size, as if, no kidding, he was sure he had seen a ghost. Dakota just stared. He didn't even growl or hiss, and he never ran out at Jack. He just stayed there under the car, still massive, still staring him down. And then, much to our amazement, something remarkable happened. 
Jack suddenly lowered his head, tucked his tail between his legs, turned slowly, and walked back to his house across the street. See there, Dakota, said Steve, you are retired, undefeated. And so he was. At that point, for whatever reason, Steve found it much easier and safer to reach under the car and get Dakota to bring him back inside. Since that morning, he has not attempted another escape. He's probably just biding his time until the next opportunity, but perhaps also calm in the knowledge that if there ever were any doubt, he is indeed retired, undefeated. When I related this story to friends, Jan Krauskopf, who for many years has been involved with the Alternatives to Violence Project, as has Bob Jordan, said that Dakota had actually practiced a number of AVP techniques in that encounter. I will look my opponent in the eye and appeal to his reason. I will accept responsibility for my own life. I will follow my gut reaction on whether to withdraw or stand my ground and resist nonviolently. I will say or do the unexpected to change the mood. Nice going, Dakota, she said. I told her that would probably be a great surprise to Dakota, considering he had been all about the violence project for all of those years. But maybe that is one of the best lessons the old man has taught me this past year, that whatever we have lost, however we may have to change, whatever we cannot have or do that we did before, transformation is possible. A good life, a new life, even a happy life is possible. However painful the change, we can change gracefully and ultimately happily, even if occasionally we have to moan and cry at the door of remembering. We'll now have our blessing of the animals. And today you're going to bless your own animals. To bless is to impart power and goodness and life from the source of all life as we understand it. And by whatever name we call it, it's to notice and lift up the sacred qualities of that which we are blessing. You may take time now to bless your animal companion in the words that have most meaning to you. As you're comfortable, you can say with us the words of blessing printed in your order of service. And then I'll leave a few seconds afterward for other things you may want to say to your pet. If you'll say those with me, they're printed right there. In the name of the source and spirit of all life, we bless you and we thank you for blessing us.